must go. We must go in authority, following our God out into the world to proclaim the gospel and to heal the sick and the afflicted. Today, as we end the series of When Heaven Comes to Town, we will be looking at the end of Matthew chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. Here, we find Jesus continuing to work amongst the people. Last week, we looked at the authority of Jesus to heal those with afflictions, those with afflictions since birth. Over the series, we have continued to see Jesus bringing heaven down to earth. And this sermon begins with a familiar scene of Jesus healing people. It ends in an inspiring and challenging way. Today we find ourselves in the midst of Jesus' ministry as we begin our story in Scripture. What can we find today that will help us answer the question, what about us, Jesus? What about today's followers? Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And the section is entitled, The Harvest is Plentiful, Laborers Are Few. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, into his harvest. Let's unpack all that. That's a lot to say in just a few verses. As we look into the last section of chapter 9, we find ourselves walking along with Jesus, healing and proclaiming the gospel. Jesus, here, can be found in a state of compassion for the people he encounters. He says they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd just wandering around, living their lives without someone to guide them and someone to take care of them. He has a huge compassion, amount of compassion for everyone. And I want to ask us this question. Where is your compassion for others? Is it obvious? Or is it hidden? Or is it non-existent? For me, compassion is not something that I am gifted in, unfortunately. I would love to be very compassionate all the time and to have mercy for others and all of that, but I tend to find myself impatient or frustrated or even angry at certain situations that I see people in, and not at the person, but at the situation and what they're going through. But that doesn't necessarily move me to action and move me to do anything about it. So I'm working on that. And a few others may be like me, but I hope that you aren't. I hope that you immediately pray for the person and immediately move to action for them. That's kind of our challenge here today, hidden within this part of the message, is that we need to have compassion for others. Because part of our growth as followers of Christ includes feeling compassion for others. So part of our maturity, part of our spiritual growth, is to feel compassion for others in situations that are different than ours, that are harder than ours. So we must move forward and 
pray for those people, and if we can, do something for them. Then we move on to the second part of the passage, where Jesus addresses all of his disciples. He then exclaims to his disciples that the harvest of the people who need help and salvation is great. The harvest is very great. But those who can facilitate healing and salvation is small. What does that look like today? You know, what is Jesus saying to us today? In that time, Jesus saw all of the people as image bearers of God, not doomed sinners. He saw everyone as a potential for spiritual life and restoration. He had a purpose for being here on this earth, and he wants us to join in with that purpose with him. Even though Jesus had his disciples, he still said that there were not enough workers to reap the harvest. And I think this sentiment still holds very true today. In fact, I looked up last night that the world's population currently holds about 7.79 billion people and is increasing about 1% every time they do a census. Every time they gather information from other people, it increases at least 1%. With population reaching over 8, over and almost 10 by like 2030. So we just keep growing, we just keep moving, we just keep increasing the amount of people on this earth. But only about 2.6 billion people on this earth claim Christianity as their religion, as their relationship with Jesus. Only about 2.6 out of that 7.79 billion people Christianity. That leaves about 5 billion people not under the Christian umbrella. What are we to do? That's double the amount of people that don't claim Christ. What are we to do? Well, the first step in, in being a Christian and helping others is to be sent out is to being called and move out on your own. <laughs> and let's move on to chapter 10, where Jesus does this specific thing for 12 of his disciples, whom we now call the apostles. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Chapter 2, verse 2 says the names. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Verse 3, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Verse 4, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Interesting to note that the order of these disciples is almost the same in all the Gospels. Kind of noting who was like the spokesperson and who was the inner circle and then who then fell through the ranks and then Judas at the end. Because Judas is later replaced because he betrayed Jesus and died and then died. So, it's interesting to note 
the names of the twelve apostles. After some time after this, after Jesus proclaims that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, he then decides to call out twelve of his disciples to become apostles. Now, there are some, there's some number of disciples that follow Jesus. It's like 70, maybe, 70 some. Why? There are like, I don't know if there are more, I don't know if there are less, but there are a bunch of people that follow him around. So it's like a huge crowd of people that follow Jesus around. I actually know what 70 some people looks like. If I go to my dad's family and every single one of his siblings is there with their spouses, with their kids, with their grandkids, it's like 100 people. That's a lot of people. They can fit in a giant building, but that's about it. I can't imagine them walking through like downtown Bay City and them not causing a ruckus because there are that many people, all related, all going to the same places at the same time. So Jesus decides, let's whittle it down a little bit to 12. And he makes them apostles. Well, what is an apostle? What does that mean? Why is it different from a, a disciple? An apostle is one who is sent or commissioned. These people are set apart from the rest to do the work God had set before them. And what's cool about the number 12 is that it represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And remember that Matthew specifically wrote to the Jews who... who he wanted to become Christians, who he wanted to follow Jesus. Matthew wrote specifically for the Jews, which is why we put it first in the New Testament, because it transitions from all of the Jewish law and prophets and stories we have in the Old Testament. It's a good transition. What did Jesus do here when he called out his 12 disciples to become apostles? He took his authority and passed it on to the 12 chief disciples or apostles. He gave them all power and authority over every demon, every sickness, and every affliction. They could do what Jesus did. Instead of just watching and following him, they could then do what he did, which to me is amazing. What other God out there gives his own power to other people? I've not read any mythology or heard of anything where the gods give gifts to people, but they don't come with either strings attached or not do it at all. Our God gives us that same power to do his work here on earth. And immediately, what does he do after he passes his authority on to them? He makes them sent ones. In chapter 10, verse 5, it begins... These twelve Jesus sets out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 7, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without paying. What does that mean here? What do we do with this information? As Jesus sends out the twelve, he gives them very important and specific instructions. According to the other Gospels, they were sent out two by two to the towns surrounding them where they were. But 
they were only allowed to go into the Jewish towns and not be with Gentiles or Samaritans. It's very weird that Jesus only wanted to go to the people of Israel, but they were the chosen people. They were his people. He wanted them to first hear the gospel. He wanted them to first be saved. Thankfully, we do not have the same mandate. In fact, we wouldn't even be here without, if it had not been for the work of the Apostle Paul and others with him, who had brought the gospel to the Gentiles. So I'm thankful for the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, telling us that Paul went out to all the rest of the known world to spread the gospel. We wouldn't be here today without that. Just think about that. We wouldn't be here without the passing of authority from apostle to apostle to apostle and so on and so on. We wouldn't be here without that transfer of authority. We wouldn't be here without spreading the gospel each and every generation to each and every place here on this earth. And Jesus commands them to do as he did and to do so freely. They didn't pay for Jesus' authority. They didn't beg him for it. They didn't bribe him for it. They received it freely. So they must give it away, give away freely the power that he's given them. In Mark, as we read, Jesus told them not to bring anything with them. He said, just go and do what I did without thinking that you'll receive anything back in return. It's hard for us to swallow, I think. We want to get paid and notice for our work. That's part of human nature. It's fine. But God says to do so freely and to not expect pay. We are also called to heal, to cast out demons, and to spread the gospel. We cannot go throughout this Christian life and not be praying for healing, for people to hear and accept the gospel as truth. We cannot walk around in our own little Jesus and us bubble and not see other people and not then feel something for them or notice something about them and pray for them. And if we are so able to be a part of their lives, speak the gospel into their lives. I'm hoping as the summer draws to an end, that I can, I'm able to interact with my neighbor and tell them about Jesus. I'm hoping that as we interact, and as we go along in our relationships, that I will be able to share the gospel with them. You know, it's hard to see people living without Jesus, especially when you know they can totally use the support system of the church, of the family. Hard to see them doing things on their own, especially if they broke away from a family that wasn't so good for them to move to do things on their own. It's hard to see that. So I think that if there's someone in your life that needs to hear the gospel, that life-saving gospel of Jesus, I pray that you get the chance to share that with them. But in the meantime, pray for their healing. Pray for God to move in their lives so that they may notice. 
So they may ask, they may be the ones to ask you the questions instead of you talking to them. How great would that be? You don't even have to work towards it as much if God is moving them towards you. We are called to go. We are called to move. We are called to go with compassion for others. And today's sermon in a sentence is this. In all authority, we must go. Just as that song that we played before the sermon said, we must go live to feed the hungry, stand beside the broken, and move into the world. We must go. In all authority, we must go. As Jesus' followers, we must develop compassion for others. For some of us, that's easy. We already have it. For some of us, that's difficult. We need to pray for it. We must be ready, also, to receive authority to heal others and to proclaim the gospel. Now, I don't think any of us in here are doctors or nurses. Well, some of us know how to heal people a little bit. But that life-changing healing that only God can do, we must pray for and receive ourselves. We can't just go put band-aids on people and expecting them to be healed from, you know, something that a band-aid can't do anything for. But God wants us to do that. He wants us to be a part of the healing. He wants us to move out and do that. And we must proclaim the gospel. Proclaiming the gospel looks like living a life that Jesus would be proud of. And also speaking to people. And we must go out now into all the world. At the end of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that I have all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. In all authority, we must go. We must be the ones to do the continued work of Jesus. We can't be sitting here and expecting the other five billion people in this world to just happen upon Jesus. They might. It can happen. But God wants us to move. God wants us to do the work that he set before us. And for every person that looks different, and for every situation that looks different, for the truth is the same. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is whom everyone needs. After that, they can see the changes in their lives. They can see the changes in their ways of thinking. They can see the changes in their behaviors. They can see the, the changes in their interactions with others. Bring them Jesus first. Bring them Jesus through healing, through prayer, through kind words, through conversations, through all of that. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Be bold. Don't be rude. Be bold. It's a difference. It's taken me a while to learn that. Um, got a strong personality. Thanks, God. Um, I see it in my children every day. Strong personality is being passed on. You have to filter that and move that as I'm helping them grow. Because they're my first priority. I want to help other people, but I've got little ones to tell about Jesus and to help them grow in their faith as they grow up. So that same authority that Jesus has, he gives to us as followers of him. He gives to us so that we can go and do the things that he did. So that the acts of the apostles can continue on and on and on to the end of this age. <clears throat> Jesus loves you and wants the best for you. And he wants you to do what he did. And all authority, we must go. Thank you for uh, connecting with us online. If you're online, I'm going to talk to online folks here for a moment. Uh, if you have not already done so online, you can join the Champions of Hope. Hey, if you're on site, you can join the Champions of Hope, our Facebook group. Uh, using the link, it's in the description. You can go to the Facebook page and get that and uh, get some unique content and some opportunities to connect with folks who are trying to infuse others with the hope of Jesus. So, you've heard it again, and again, and again, and again, and in case you have forgotten, I'm going to remind you again, you are sent. So am I. We are sent people. Jesus sends us out with the confidence, sends us out with confidence in his promises. He sends us to tell the world about his saving acts, about who he is, and about how we can introduce them to his amazing grace. You're sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go.